Welcome to Changing the Way People Feel About Insurance with FWD. My name's Fiona Mattesini, and on this podcast, I'm talking to Benayak Dutta, FWD's Group Chief Distribution Officer. And this podcast covered so many different areas. How to make decisions. It sort of really doesn't matter to us which channel of distribution we choose. It's more important about how the customer wants to engage with us. How to approach insurance differently. We decided that we actually wanted to sort of, you know, enter the business with a very unconventional channel approach. How to build up an elite agency force. Our philosophy has not been to build up armies and armies of advisors. We've seen a lot of that happening in Asia. And how to be truly in Asia and for Asia. Many people tend to paint Asia with the same lens, you know, whereas Asia is not one and the same. Strap in for a force of nature and some inspiring ideas from Vinayak. Well, hi, Vinayak, and I must start this podcast by saying that this is one I've really been looking forward to because how and where people buy their insurance, which I think is what we mean, right, when we talk about distribution, this has been undergoing so much change, even in recent years. So I'm going to uh, jump right in with a couple of big questions. The insurance industry has been built up over hundreds of years, but it could never have anticipated the internet, digitization, smartphones, social media, and these very modern lives that we all lead. And the influence this has had on conventional distribution channels, such as buying through an agent or through your local bank. So as an industry, you're all being expected to not only build multiple new touch points, but also raise the bar across the old ones. My question is... How have FWD's distribution channels evolved and is FWD ready to support this new landscape? I think it's a great question and uh, plenty of food for thought, as you said. From day one, our vision has been to build a customer-led, tech-driven and most importantly, a channel-agnostic, challenging brand in the region. You know, we've had some advantages of being such a young company, being legacy light and not having sort of any historical baggage, so as to say. And that sort of philosophy has cut across almost everything that we do, including, you know, distribution. So starting 2013, when we acquired, you know, the ING businesses, and essentially one could say that these were pretty conventional businesses in terms of, you know, distribution products and so on and so forth, to now, the way we're there in 10 markets and we're truly sort of multi-channel, omni-channel, we've kind of transformed into a group with multiple bank partnerships, which is kind of market-driven, so large local partnerships. That's been our philosophy. Yeah, and a lot of your bank partnerships are exclusive too, right? Absolutely. And these are large local players. And I think what we're doing out there is we're already synchronizing our business model to sort of, you know, cater to the shift, the online shift in the banking sector. I mean, when is the last time you went to a bank branch? I honestly can't remember when, right? People are moving to mobile banking platforms. People are engaging with digital channels. The digital transactions in bank is going up. And for us, I think that's a very, very important feature of the way we look at our distribution channels, the way we look at our business. And we are doing that. We are sort of, you know, doing that by making sure we're embedded into the bank's customer journey. And I think that's a very, very important feature of the way we want to look at it. So for me, in summary, the debate is not either or. The debate is how do you sort of continue to evolve 
your play in each of these platforms and make sure that the consumer makes the choice and not you as an insurance company. Yeah. We also have, you know, a medium size but strong and very professional agency force and I'm hoping to tell you more about that. Plus we have direct, you know, to consumer distribution. We are at the leadership phase in the markets that we operate in that phase. So we're truly multi-channel. It sort of really doesn't matter to us which channel of distribution we choose. It's more important about how the customer wants to engage with us. And so therefore our yeah. channel strategy has evolved as we have made entries into different markets to suit the needs of our customers. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to ask you actually is clearly you're adapting for each market. Is there any possibility that you can give me an example of two markets that have quite different needs and how you've adapted accordingly? I think that's a great question. Many people tend to paint Asia with the same lens, you know, whereas Asia is not one and the same. Yes. The 10 markets that we operate in are so culturally diverse, so geographically diverse, you know, the needs of the customers are completely different and so on and so forth. And therefore, building an opportunistic play, building a play which is customized across each of these markets is so important. And I can give you an example from a distribution perspective. Mm -hmm. For example, when we came to Singapore, which is, as we know, a very developed, a very evolved market in terms of consumer preferences, in terms of regulatory framework and so on and so forth, we decided that we actually wanted to sort of, you know, enter the business with a very unconventional channel approach. You know, we had a composite license on life and general insurance, and we pretty much distributed products completely online. We didn't have sort of, you know, the conventional core channels of, you know, distribution, so as to say. Whereas if you look at some of the emerging markets, I think the need for intermediate distribution is still there. So markets like Thailand or markets like Vietnam or markets like Philippines, where life insurance penetration, even after so many years, is still low. The focus was really on making sure that we were able to sort of equip intermediate distribution, whether it's be agents whether it be bank assurance players with, you know, the right set of tools, I think. And therefore, the distribution, you know, focus and strategy was completely different. Yeah. I'm going to bring you back to the tools that you mentioned. Can you bring this to life for me a little bit? And also for anyone listening who may be a customer or just anybody who's interested. So let me give you a couple of examples. I mean, the digital architecture of our sales tools really cover four broad areas. Mm -hmm. I mean, firstly, the prospecting part of it. Yeah. We have a digital platform called the Affiliates. And essentially, this facilitates the contact with a prospect through social media. You know, today, all of our advisors on social media, all of our bank staff are on social media, all of our bank consultants on social media. So leveraging that presence is such an important part of the prospecting process and the affiliates tool sort of, you know, does that beautifully. So the second part of it is Iris. And this is essentially once you've got the prospect in, what do you do with it? You know, what do you do with the lead management? You know, the classical sales funnel issue. And this has actually been a game changer. Our philosophy is not to build up armies and armies of advisors. We've seen a lot of that happening in Asia. But we want to build up a much more professional pool of agents who use tools such as this to generate much better advice to their customers. Iris actually helps you do that. It would give you sort of proactive reminders. It would give you suggestions. It would sort of enable you to update the various changes in the customer life cycle. It would enable you to suggest, you know, products and propositions. So basically a one-stop solution by which a successful agent can better service his or her customer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I see. And then I imagine that the next part in the journey is the point of sale. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. So, I mean, the third critical stage is the point of sales and to make sure, you know, that the customer has a seamless experience out there. And there we operate through a tool called FW Smart, 
through which the advisor guides customers through built-in financial needs analysis solutions to understand sort of the protection and savings needs. For example, our in-house financial planning tool for customers, you know, AI Square, we call it AI Square, has been designed bottom-up from the market by using best-in-class CX practices in customer engagement. AI Square is essentially an FNA tool. The whole financial needs analysis process is so underinvested in the markets that we are in today because it, either it's too cumbersome or it's too complicated or is absolutely too simple and doesn't offer value. We're really proud of AI Square, which is now in a version two, where the whole process of sort of, you know, financial needs analysis planning is made much more engaging, much more participative, much more interesting through sort of, you know, health scores, wealth scores, risk scores. And this helps our agents and our bank staff or our sort of corporate staff to engage with customers and sort of make the process much more simpler and much more interactive to them. I mean, there are automatic product recommendations which are built in. In some cases, there are pre-populated sales illustrations. The tool allows you to do product comparisons and alignment with budgets. Over the years, we've enhanced the tool with smart features such as built-in underwriting and so on and so forth, which provide instant underwriting solutions. And lastly, it obviously has elements of e-signature, know your customer and online payment built-in, which enables the advisor to do instant issuance of policies. So as you can see, the thread that I'm trying to build in out here is that the process remains the same in terms of how the advisor engages with the customer. The huge change out here is that we have made it absolutely paperless and we have made it absolutely digital so that not only does the productivity of the seller sort of increase, but the engagement and the user experience of the customer improves dramatically. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned things like e-signature and online payment. I imagine that these things are now simply becoming hygiene factors for FWD. Totally. One of the advantages has been that starting from scratch and starting small has meant that we've had a completely different approach to some of these things. Mm -hmm. Today, the fact of the matter is that if you get on to, let's say, in Singapore, on FWD Singapore website and sort of, you know, purchase an auto insurance product from us or a travel insurance product for us, not much of travel these days, but nevertheless, you know, when it was happening, mm -hmm. the whole process will easily explain to you how simple it is, how transparent it is, and how different it is from what we've been used to in terms of, you know, purchasing insurance. People talk about sort of, you know, achieving e-submissions, you know, phase by phase, stage by stage, and so on and so forth, because, you know, sort of converting large pieces of existing distribution and digitizing them is difficult. It's tough. But for us, mm -hmm. you know, we have sort of, you know, achieved 100% e-submissions in all our key markets from day one itself. There's no other way in which, you know, people have done yeah. this business. And yes. you can afford to do that because you started bottom up, if you know what I mean. I do, absolutely. And I love that you're using words like transparent and simple because these are words that as a customer, I would never normally associate with insurance. Let me um, return back to what you call the intermediate distribution model. In other words, agents, advisors or bank consultants. You've mentioned being channel agnostic. In other words, you're not wedded to any particular distribution model. You let the customers decide. But and I appreciate this is a little bit of a clairvoyant question, but how do you see this intermediate agency-style distribution model play out? Being channel agnostic, we played in each part of the value chain. So while we have leading direct-to-consumer businesses, we've also been very focused on the fact that in Asia, in the markets that we've operated in, intermediate distribution is still going to play a large part. Having said that, 
the way intermediate distribution has been played out is going to be very different you know going forward so very simply put empowering our advisors empowering our bank consultants or the bank staff with technology tools which enable them to do their job better has been a core part of our channel strategy Right. So it's not that you're leaving anyone behind, quite the opposite. You're empowering agents and bank staff with technology. Totally. But having said that, I think there is a huge online play which is interesting. We personally ourselves, you know, are delighted that, you know, in our key markets such as Singapore and Hong Kong, we have sort of leading online direct-to-consumer businesses. We've been very, very successful. but also even more important what consumers are telling us you know consumers are telling us that we like the fact that you know it's so simple it's so easy it's so transparent to buy products out there so i do believe yeah. that for certain product segments and for certain customer segments the online direct to consumers play will be important and in that something that we want to continue to build on the other yeah. piece that i want to talk about is you know the channel ecosystem which is sort of in the online offline play out there and there i think there's a lot of important work to be done and what we are building out out here is a sort of bank assurance 4.0 if i may term it that way a bank assurance of the future model and the whole idea therein is to create omni channel you know customer journeys between us and the bank ecosystem partners to sort of accommodate customers preferences for various interactions or moments of truth and we believe and this integration will help us to make our partnership stronger and as a product provider i just don't want to sort of you know restrict ourselves to being a product provider we will not limit ourselves just to the outside of the periphery but will then be an integral part of our partners customer journey and that is the stage in which you will sort of become truly omnichannel between the various channels of the bank yeah that's really interesting the banking channel of the future and in terms of benchmarking and holding up examples of best practice for true omnichannel in other words seamless integration between your channels i would say that retail are leading the way what do you think who do you think is leading the way in terms of industries I mean I wouldn't disagree with that I think you know there's lots of interesting things which have happened on the retail side but I would say financial services and insurance especially in the last couple of years you know has sort of really leapfrogged into action in a strange sort of a way the pandemic has accelerated such efforts I mean for the last year or more given the situation in the markets that we operate in I mean it's been virtually impossible to sort of you know meet customers face to face meet advisors face to face we've been sort of you know able to do that whole cutover as a company to sort of work from home we've been able to do that whole cutover as sort of you know do contactless selling and so on and so forth so in a sense that this whole shift to multi-channel and omni-channel and being a digital insurer has been accelerated by the pandemic and you've seen that i'm sure you've read yes. you know about the kind of investments that the industries you know the main players in the industry are making and how seriously they're taking this whole process so i would say again in a strange sort of a way the last 12 you know 18 months has forced us to embrace those changes in a accelerated manner regulators were fantastic across the region in terms of engaging with partners and with engaging with insurance companies in terms of you know evolving changes that were needed for example in philippines in early april remote selling was approved by the regulators and we were among the first companies and perhaps maybe one of the very few companies able to roll out the process on the same day we launched a platform called can do pearl in april 
which allowed our agents to send out personalized URLs to complete the sales process. So this is essentially we have had a platform on the direct-to-consumer side, then we were able to adapt that you know, to intermediate distribution. And throughout this period of April to December, and even now, when the situation in the Philippines was tough, we were able to sort of you know, keep our agents active through this digital platform. And I'll give you one more example. Malaysia. Malaysia, where the BNM you know, permitted remote sales processes starting from early April, FWD was quickly off the block and was among the front runners to sort of adapt to the change. And we were actually sort of, you know, for a large period where the lockdown was in place, able to operate through these remote selling processes. So in summary, I think I'm proud to say that FWD was able to adapt to some of these challenges that the COVID pandemic threw up in each of our markets. Yeah, I mean, not to cleave too closely to a theme that's been discussed ad nauseum, but COVID-19 has been a defining moment for everyone. And despite the fact that it's been incredibly hard for lots of reasons, from an industry perspective, as a journalist, I've been picking up some really uplifting stories in parallel, particularly from insurance agents. And I must add, from lots of FWD insurance agents in particular. So there's so many stories, but there's one I'd really like to share with you. So we had a a lady called Marie, who was in the police force before joining FWD Philippines in March of 2020. So not too far back. Quarter one up to February was fine. And then sort of, you know, post March 15th, you know, is when it started becoming much more challenging. So this is shortly after she onboarded. She noticed, Marie noticed that, you know, more and more clients are expecting better medical cover. And what Marie was able to do is through eCoach, which is our online digital training tool, she was able to learn about product positioning and become a passionate advocate for protection solutions. Further supported by our remote selling process, which we had sort of, you know, quickly been able to put into place, she managed to close 225 cases with 70% of them being a new product called Set for Health, a protection product. And amidst the pandemic, FWD Philippines pledged to donate a portion of every policy purchased to support healthcare for the frontliners. You know, the hundreds of thousands of people in markets, you know, sort of yeah. doing that. So not only did Murray do well, she achieved her first MDRT in her very first year in the industry as a financial planner. In her first year? Wow. Absolutely, which is remarkable. So she not only achieved her first MDR in her first year as a financial planner, but was also proud to work for a company that truly cares. So, you know, we've often heard that adage, you know, doing well by doing good. But I can't think of a better example in really adverse conditions where that sort of holds true. So really proud of these stories. And this is what makes it worthwhile to work in life insurance and insurance and everybody. Yeah, yeah. Brilliantly put, by the way. You mentioned the elite agency, you've mentioned MDRT. I am going to return back to those things just so you know, because I I really want to ask you about those. But first of all, let me just return back to partnerships. I find that the old versus new debate tends to circle around buy from agents or buy from banks or buy from online. And and it's those three pitched against each other. But in terms of new channels, there's another one, which is online digital partnerships. And I'm wondering if we can say that these new online digital partnerships aren't a threat to banks or agents or buy online because they're just so different and they can actually help insurers tap into new market segments in a way that the other three can't. So first, would you agree? with that? And second, what are some of your most exciting partnerships? 
So apart from the banking partners, I mean, obviously we have, you know, fantastic bank insurance partners. But I mean, for me, I believe that fundamentally, at least in Asia, the markets that we operate in, and perhaps, you know, in the rest of the world as well, face-to-face will still remain a key component, especially on the life insurance side of it, you know, because life insurance is largely advice-driven. This interaction needs to be enhanced obviously with digital tools. And the other partnerships that we are also equally proud of are the digital partnerships where we've been sort of, you know, very, very successful. And I'll give you a couple of examples. Tiki, Mm -hmm. which is uh, Vietnam's, Mm -hmm. you know, largest online marketplace. We have an extremely Mm -hmm. successful marketplace out there. And therefore, our digital strategy has not been restricted to traditional or online model or sort of, you know, so on and so forth. But it's also been dependent on how we can plug into our partners' ecosystems through open APIs and so on and so forth. And we've yeah. done that with Tiki in Vietnam. We've done that with Traveloka, which is, you know, a large, as the name suggests, a travel platform in Indonesia. Yeah, actually, as an, a little diversion, but the journalist in me loves the story behind Tiki in Vietnam. I did some research on this a few years ago. Um, it was launched by... One man, Mr. San, who sold books from his garage and would ride around his community literally delivering books. And now Tiki sells everything, including FWD insurance. And there's there's a wonderful story that I really hope is true, which is that the vice president of the US once asked him, are you the Amazon of Vietnam? And he said, no, we're the Tiki of the world. And I thought, oh, that's <laughs> That sounds like him at all. I mean, isn't, isn't that a... Isn't that a Wonderful story. I mean, Vietnam by itself is one of my favorite places. I was lucky to um, live two years of my life and I was, you know, CEO of one of the international companies sometime back. So it's one of my, you know, that whole success story of Vietnam where, you know, young population, high GDP growth, you know, high insurance growth. And it's one of our most successful companies, FWD Vietnam, you know, is one of our fastest growing companies and exceptionally well. Yeah, Banayak, I must congratulate you personally, but also the entire team on MDRT, the Million Dollar Roundtable, which is, for those that don't know, the Global Association of the World's Leading Life Insurance and Financial Services Professionals. This is all about best-in-class knowledge, conduct, customer experience. Basically, membership is a huge deal because it's recognised internationally as the standard of excellence, I guess, in life insurance. So I think right now the FWD agency force is in the top nine globally for registered MDRTs. Should we take a moment and just talk about that? So we were always very clear that we would have medium-sized, compact, professionalized agency force. And towards that end, our vision was, you know, that we wanted to create what we call an elite agency, where the focus was not only in production, but commissions, but more importantly, on making sure that they embraced these digital tools that we talk about on making sure that they are sort of engaging with customers in the right way and sort of exhibiting the behavior. And that's really what we you know, wanted to do. So as a result, across our markets, wherever we have agency forces, they are not the largest in number, but they are highly productive. They are highly professional. And the way, the way they engage with customers is completely sort of, you know, digitally. I'm sort of delighted to share with you that that focus, that razor sharp focus has played out well for us. The MDRT is an independent and globally recognized association of financial professionals. I mean, each year, the association defines a criteria for financial professionals to be recognized as sort of MDREs. At the end of the year, it publishes the list of globally registered ones. And I think although that hasn't been a focus, we were delighted to see that in uh, 2020, we actually sort of, you know, ranked in the top 10 international, you know, sort of global MDRE insurers. This is quite remarkable, given, you know, the rest of the names 
on that list would be sort of decades in business. You know, some companies 150 years in operations, some companies 100 years in operations and so on and so forth. So I think we're very happy. That wasn't the objective, but we're happy to be recognized. I'd like to sort of give the credit to the team. It's an outcome of our relentless focus on building quality distribution. Yeah, so it's changing that narrative around not just insurance, but insurance agents. Well, thank you, Banayak. We could have talked for longer, but um, let's leave it there. Thank you so much for bringing all of these projects and plans to life for all of us. Thank you very much. Appreciate the time. And thank you for the questions. They were great questions. So that ends our podcast. And if you'd like to find out more about FWD, you can head to the group website, which is fwd.com. My name's Fiona Mattesini. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.